0: Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. It is January 4th, 2017, and this is the first edition of the MMA Ratings Podcast for the new year. I am Rafael Garcia, and alongside me is my partner in crime, Shawn Humes, who is back, as always, and we are ready to talk about all the big news and the big action that's gone down from UFC 207 and some of the news that has broken over the last few days in mixed martial arts. But before we go there, I want to say hello to my um, co-host, Siwon. How are you doing there, sir?
1: Hey, I'm doing good as usual. Finally actually made it to the beginning of the show instead of coming in five minutes late. So that's always good.
0: Hey, it's all good, man. It's all good. As long as you get here we, and we get the business done. Um, we got quite a bit to talk about, huh, don't we?
1: Yeah, a lot of stuff's been going on recently. Uh, a lot of big, big, big stories and big events, which is the way we like it.
0: So before we jump into that, you know, we're going to start first off with just saying um, you can always catch our work at MMAratings.net. You can catch us there. You can listen to past episodes of the show as well. You can you check us out on YouTube. Um, you can find me at R Garcia underscore sports, and we'll go over. All all the new things that you can expect to see in MMA ratings up for this next week. But of course, you know, we got to start at the top with um, today's news, I guess. Or not really news, but we got to start at the top with the conversation about UFC 207. And of course, we got to look at um, what happened with Ronda Rousey and Amanda Nunez. For those of you who may not know, if you live under a rock, Amanda Nunez stopped Ronda Rousey in 48 seconds um, to defend her bantamweight title and in doing so she created quite the firestorm that everybody um, wants to see and ask questions about because this is definitely the biggest win of her career, probably one of the most resounding wins that we've seen in a title fight in some time. Um, and, it's, and even the only one that could, that could compare is um, Conor McGregor's win over Jose Aldo from last year. So we're just going to start there. Um, let's look at this victory, what it means for Nunez, what it means for Rousey, the women's division as a whole. Um, so, yeah, let's just start there, Shawan. I'm going to let you have the floor first. Um, what did you think of last Saturday's win or last Friday's win?
1: Well, before I get into like any technical aspect of it, I, I wanted to address the fact that Rousey's, the way she cut off the media, that's pretty much much the impetus for all the flack that Edmund's getting and the flack that Rhonda's getting. She kinda, usually when you have a big loss, but your changes you're making, you you show them the changes you're making, the points of emphasis, the strategies, Rhonda didn't do any of that. She stayed away from any questions that might have placed doubt on Edmund or on herself. So by cutting the media off and cutting everybody off, people, have, people jump to conclusions about how prepared she was, where she was focusing at, and what techniques she was going to use to win the fight. Had she opened up a little bit more, she might have had some room to operate, and she wouldn't be get, getting as much heat, but she chose to go the opposite way and go radio silence in just hopes of focusing to win the fight. So when the fight is badly and she looks unprepared, Nobody has any information or no storyline that they can use to diffuse some of the pressure that's being applied to her now, in hindsight, after the loss.
0: So I'm just going to ask you a quick question. Can you turn off your camera because I can see your roof? Like, I guess you put your phone down flat, right? Because I can see your roof now. So I just wanted to make sure I pointed that out to you. But I definitely um, agree with what you said in reference to... Rousey's response from a media angle. Um and we're gonna talk about Edmund as well, because like that's a that's a, a, a conversation topic that deserves its own moment. But it's an interesting parallel when you look at how Ronda Rousey handled her loss and compare it to how Dominic Cruz handled his. You know, Dominic, this is Dominic's first time losing um, in 10 years. It's funny because this is he, this is his first loss, and he's lost. This previous loss was before Ronda Rousey even began fighting professionally. So this is pretty, is a pretty interesting parallel because Cruz stood up in front of the media, answered questions, answered questions very well. Um, it didn't of course, you know, he's hurting. He just lost his title. He just lost his title to a fighter in Team Alpha Male. He got handled, um, but he handled it very eloquently. You know, you often see people talk about how people, athletes respond in the face of adversity. If you think back to the criticism that Cam Newton got after Super Bowl 50, where he didn't want to answer questions and walked out of the, um, of the post-game conference, that's very akin to what Ronda Rousey did in the lead up to this event and afterwards. So it's an interesting parallel between how she handled the media and um, how Dominic Cruz handled the media. Rousey has come out with um, R- R- Ramona Shelburne from ESPN, who's kind of like her personal reporter. She's one of the only individuals that has access to Rousey. Um, she gave a official statement through her, but it was, it was really pre-planned and it wasn't anything that gave fans or media any insight to what's next for um, the former champion
1: Well the, the biggest thing is because right now the, basically the fight the fight I had I always say this to follow me on Twitter at hashtag lowercase MMA ratings and I also always mention a, a following friend of the show Andrew Pearson because about three times in the past couple months me and him have had it out on Twitter basically going back and forth, how the Rousey Nunes fight would go. His assumption, which ended up being correct, was Nunes was going to keep her range, she's going to come in, land shots, come out on an angle and just punish Ronda and basically blow her out in the first round, which is exactly what happened. I I used to always tell him, that's most likely going to happen if Ronda doesn't make these minor changes. And they're minor changes that Edmund could actually implement if he had any sort of sense at all. And that's what Andrew would tell me. He'd say, Edmund's not a smart coach. The things you're telling me would work, but it only works if you have a coach smart enough to use them. And my approach was simply this. Instead of standing straight up, which Ronda does, straight up, tall in the pocket, come in at a slightly lowered stance. Because you know Nunes isn't going to throw leg kicks or body kicks. Nunes isn't going to throw any, anything that's going to allow Rhonda a chance to get her hands on her and put, put her on her back because Nunez is awful off her back. Zingano beat her within an inch of her life, and a girl who could fight at straw weight in Valentina was slapping her around, and and she was looking for ways out of that fight. She barely hung on against a girl she probably had 40 pounds on at fight night. She's not good from her back. Her guard work, her submissions, none of it. It's just no good. So I said, what she needs to do is come in with a lowered stand, and when Nunez attacks, instead of trying to exchange with Nunez, especially exchanging to the head, When Nunes attacks, what you do is you counter to the body. You may not be able to hit somebody to the head, they can slip, they can kind of step out of range, but body shots are always there. Anytime you want to land a body shot, all you have to do is throw it. Watch enough MMA fight. This isn't boxing where guys know how to make you pay for it. I've seen fighters essentially turn whole fights around against longer, longer, more athletic, and, and bigger opponents. I saw Conor McGregor do that against Nate Diaz. He started attacking the body, using feints and and working him to disrupt his rhythm and not let him get into a rhythm all Rhonda had to do was use feints because that way you throw off Nunes' timing she can't throw hard because she doesn't know if you're coming at her you're really going to throw or you're really going to go for the clinch or you're faking her and when she throws instead of going high because ronda likes to go high because she likes to punch her way into the clinch and go for that head arm throw you go low counter to the body hard because ronda can crack ronda can hit hard she put, put McMahon down with one knee to the body. All she had to do was counter to the body. Now that you do that, Nunes can no longer get into that range she's comfortable with because every time she's throwing it, you're ducking underneath, you're throwing to the body. Another side effect of that is when you throw to the body and you come in low under some of the shots, you can come up and get the underhooks on them. When you get the underhooks, you can control them, push them to the fence. Once Ronda has underhooks and has a clinch, she can beat Nunes up on the fence, and Nunes can't afford to counter and strike with Rhonda on the fence in a clinch, because Rhonda has the option of taking her down. So all Rhonda has to do from that point is st- mix in strikes and takedown attempts, strikes and takedown attempts, strikes and takedown attempts. That's gonna wear on Nunes's gas tank, that's gonna keep her focus split because she's gonna be split between defending a takedown, defending a throw or a trip, and getting punched to the body or punched to the head. I'm not saying that would have necessarily, in my opinion, that's what it would have took to win the fight, but that would have made it a more competitive fight. You don't go out there, head straight on to a person who's longer than you, has better footwork than you, and better offense than you, and better power than you. You bait them, you use feints, you use pressure to draw out an attack, and then you close the distance, you transition into that clinch range, and then you work her over. When When we first announced the fight, I said, Ronda can win because Nunes is gonna throw that right hand. All she has to do is find a way to get past it to get into the clinch where she wants to. My suggestion, come in low, counter to the body. When you go to the body, come up. Nunez is going to defend the takedown because she's going to figure Ronda might be shooting on me. Once you get the underhooks, you put Nunez to the cage. How do I know that works? I saw Sarah McMahon do it to Nunez a couple years ago, and I know it was a couple years ago, but the thing about, thing about it is nobody would have expected that from Ronda. Ronda did exactly what she always did and got punished for it. When you're a fighter who's that predictable, any, any change you make, you change one or two things, and instantly, it throws your opponent off completely because they weren't expecting that from you. So Rhonda gave her what she always get, does, and she got punished for it. And she didn't show any What's various- interesting
0: about that is that um, I sent that to you. I sent that uh, the audio clip that's, that's making this rounds. Everybody's probably listened to it by now of Edmund Tarvinian it's trying to talk. Uh, Ronda through the fight as a fight is going on and if you listen to what he's saying what he's saying isn't necessarily wrong You know, he's telling her to use feints telling her to use head movement when things got dangerous and things got ugly You know he told her to start trying to grab for a clinch when clearly that wasn't working But the, the, the my question then becomes I know Edmund did a lot of hyping of, of Rhonda striking early, especially early in her career, especially before the Sarah McMahon fight, when you heard him talking about heard him talking about her dropping other dropping women with um body shots. You heard about her um, working with Triple G and how he was so impressed with her striking. So you have to wonder, did he do too much hyping up of her striking to make her think that she's going to step in there and the last two women who are known power who are known strikers did he do too much damage in hyping up the way she and hyping her up in a way that made her think that she could go in there and strike with these women
1: well he did partly the problem is this a lot of people bash on edmund and as you know i did two pieces the good the bad and the ugly on edmund the first part was the good a lot of people act as if edmund has no sort of concept of striking and technique he does he just doesn't have a full understanding of how it works, independently of MMA, and within the context of MMA. What he used was Ronda's natural physical abilities and her skill sets from judo, and he came up with a with a basic with a basic platonic striking skill set that allowed her to take advantage of the holes in the games of the majority of women in the bantamweight division. A lot of them back up in straight lines. A lot of them can only throw a one-two or an overhand right. A lot of them aren't very good off the back foot when they back up and nobody can pivot. So when you ha- have those holes, someone exploding in straight at you, throwing a series of strikes, or somebody who's more durable enough to walk through your strikes to get to where she wants is gonna allow her to go to work. McMahon hit her with, with one twos, one twos, one twos. Rhonda walked through them, got that clinch on her, put her up against the fence and then started chopping away at her. When she fought Alexis Davis, Alexis Davis threw that shot. Rhonda was coming in a straight line Countered it with a cross counter, got the knee, threw her, pounded her out. It was based on the limitations of the women she's facing. Edmond's Edmund, not a terrible trainer. He just has limitations on his skill set and his ability to see, see things as a whole. And that's what's holding Rhonda back. He needs help. He needs other people in there to help move her in another direction or refine the things he's taught her or build on them. He doesn't have the skill set to do that.
0: So before we move on with that conversation, there, I. I I think th- this loss is going to truly damage Edmund. Um, if, if everything leading up to like with the IRS and with what Rousey's mother had said about him, all of that stuff aside, like if you look at the stats, like the stats breakdown, I'm not sure if you saw this picture that was um, being served around by Fightland when it points out that, you know, Ronda Rousey is the only fighter to have a winning record since training with him. Everyone else has gone 5-13, and and 10 of those losses have been a finish. So his camp as a whole is truly struggling when it comes to their performances within the UFC. And I think that this situation, I think it's going to be interesting to see who sticks by him. I I don't know. Like, is Rousey going to stick by him? I wouldn't be surprised if she left. And then if she does, where does she go? Because – um. You know, does she go to a Jackson's where Holly Holm is training? Does she go to an Alliance where Kat Zingano is? Like, there, where can she really go at this point in time in her career? Or has she alienated someone in such, everyone in such a way that she can't really go join one of these big, big, big power MMA teams?
1: It's not just, it's not just about where she can go. As you know, as somebody who's trained people, whether you're training as a hobbyist, you're training as a amateur, you're training as a pro. It's like getting a job or getting management or getting in a relationship. There's lots of good, like, let's put it in a relationship. There's lots of good men or women out there. That doesn't mean you're comfortable with all those men and women. It doesn't mean you'll reach your peak with all those men and women, because everybody has different uh-huh. emphasis, different temperament. There's, there's a lot of people who can't handle dealing with Rhonda. As, a lot of, as many people bash Edmund and they criticize him for his relationship with Rhonda, part of his relationship with Rhonda, as odd as it may seem, helped push her to the height she got to, she bought into him. A lot of coaches can't get their fighters to buy in completely. I said this in my piece. How many times do you hear a coach, do this, do this, why aren't you doing this, do that, do that, up until her losses? You never heard Edmund have to say that. Whatever he planned for Rhonda, Rhonda went out and executed. She she bought in 110% to whatever. And whatever he told, told her, he helped her build her confidence. She was never that confident. Read her book about all her weight issues and her daddy issues and her losing issues. He believed in her 100%, and he gave her everything he had, and that helped push her forward. That made her feel bulletproof. And feeling bulletproof made her perform like she was bulletproof. We can't pretend like he didn't add things to her. And I heard an interview by Matt Sarah. Matt Sarah said, everybody's bashing him now, but nobody was bashing him when he was taking her from the bottom to the top. And I said this on Twitter. There's, like, me and, like, maybe 10 other people who were calling into question her technique or the things he was doing. Everybody else was saying she's great. Everybody else was saying she was amazing. She was improving. She was showing some skill. She was showing some awareness, but she was never amazing. It was the media, not just Edmund, because there's analysts out there who were saying how Rhonda's still so great on the feet and she's amazing. Analysts on, on a bunch of networks. I can't even name the networks. I'm not even going to do that to them, but they kept saying that. And then watch after she lost the home. All of a sudden, all the analysts, well, Rhonda's footwork was really shoddy and her head didn't move. Where was that two months ago? I didn't see it, and I live and breathe MMA. You probably didn't see a lot of it either. Everybody didn't see how great she was. Necessarily totally agree with that because there were there were individuals. So I'm
0: not going to say who outright questioned her from a striking standpoint, but nobody ever
1: said yeah, she was a. I'm sorry. I said I I can't I won't say names, but if you go back to watch those UFCs where she's beating Misha and all those girls, everybody amazing, unstoppable. Look at the hands. Look at the development. Now she can strike too. I heard it all, dude. Well, see, the thing is, I'm I'm not going to
0: wholeheartedly agree with that because I feel like the conversation was is that her striking worked for what I'm to do. Like she never, she's never displayed striking on a level of a Holly Holm, J Jacek. She's never shown striking at that level. The same way someone like Amanda Nunez, who's a, uh, I believe she's a black belt in judo, she's never shown judo on Rousey's level. So I feel like the conversation was more around this, around the idea of that Rousey's striking works for what she wants to do: close the distance, getting to get in, get in the clinch range, and then throw you on your head and finish the fight. The conversation was more that her striking was good for that. And I don't know. I always used to push the conversation. Someone even actually called me out on it because um, I asked about, you know, a fight against Holly Holm almost two years before the fight came. And I asked, what happens when she gets in there with someone that she cannot take down and who has the footwork to strike and get out of get out of range? And even with Amanda Nunez, I called this a, a year in advance. What happens when she runs in there against someone that hits ridiculously hard and makes her pause like if you look at that first jab that that um amanda landed at ufc 207 it, it, I, you it, you almost saw the soul go out of rousey at, at that point that from the very first jab because it snapped her head back and she touches her forehead like oh shit, i'm bleeding it's happening again and it goes straight downhill from there so i feel like the, like the conversation has been around that but since she was winning so much you didn't get the same level of criticism that you got after
1: ufc 193. But that's that's the point that's where people are being lazy i i'm sure you've heard of jordan breen from sure dog yeah i used to call this show all the time and one of the things we used to always talk about he say i appreciate when you call because you 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 know how to analyze fights you know how to break down fights everybody will say well this person won and they, people people focus on the results they never focus on what happens in the fight and that's why people so many people get on the same narrative I was saying that she was exposed against Misha Tate because she was showing limitations in how she reacted to getting hit, her counters, her ability to get past strikes effectively. That that was obvious in her second fight with Tate. And everybody just kept saying they kept seeing the result. They kept hanging on to the result. You can't hang on to the result. And the problem isn't that she she all of a sudden can't strike or what she doesn't isn't effective. It's that she's doing the exact same thing. And it that's no longer effective. If her if Edmund had a deeper understanding of boxing where he could really develop her footwork. And I don't know that he can't, maybe he can. I haven't seen it yet. Develop her footwork, develop her defensive awareness. There's ways around that. There's ways where she could have faded her way into a clinch. Like I said, duck under the shot, work the body. When you get to the body, put one, two against the body. Then you're right there to get the underhooks. That's two things right there. She didn't try either one of them. She could have tried parrying with her hands. She could have tried parrying, parries, taking angles, stepping back using counters. I understand that Nunes is a better striker than her, but Nunes isn't some world-class striker. I saw Nunes get lit up by a woman who could fight at strawweight. Nunes isn't a world-class striker. She's a very good one, but she's not a world-class technical striker. Not in pure striking, she's not. So it's not impossible to get to her chin. It's not impossible to get to her body. Her footwork's good, but it's it's not just in and of itself so outstanding that she can't be touched. I've seen lesser fighters get her to the fence. I've seen lesser fighters get their hands on her. So I'm just saying there's ways around that. The only thing is, Ronda did exactly what she always does and that's what got her got her beat. Had she shown any variation, it would have taken Nunes time to adjust. But she came out there doing the same thing she's always done. And Nunes was ready for it, 100%. She came out there running, Nunes, she came in hot, Nunes hit her, fight was essentially over from that point out. Why didn't she try to pressure slowly and get Nunes to come towards her? Why did she back off and make Nunes, bait Nunes, make Nunes throw that right hand? Load it up. I know Nunes is gonna throw, she that, she throws that jab. I'm gonna parry it. When she throws that right hand, I'm going right under it. The first time I go under it, I'm gonna dig her to the body hard, back her off. The second time I duck under, I'm going straight. I'm gonna pretend like I'm gonna shoot. She's gonna try to get the underhooks on me, try to bring me up right there. I'm in the clinch. Push her to the fence, go to work. That way, Nunes just brought you into the clinch. You faked to take down this, you had no intention of going after. She's gotta get the underhooks to respect it because she knows her guard game is terrible from the bottom when she's on bottom and now she when she gets the underhooks and brings you up now you're in the clinch you're right where you want to be you already got your hands on her you're already body to body her she didn't show any variation i still believe ronda could have been more competitive i believe she could have won but not doing the exact same thing the exact same way she's always done it what's interesting what's interesting with that is well go ahead go ahead go ahead i said you should you take a year off and i know if you take a year off you should show some development and my problem with Edmund and Rhonda is Edmund took her very far. He did a lot of good things for her. Nobody's going to talk me off that point, but he has limitations. He knows he has limitations. And instead of bringing in help or working in a di- from coming to things from a different angle, he did the same thing he always did with her. The advice he gave her wasn't bad, but the game plan he had from the get-go was not going to work. You can't just run in on somebody who has that kind of power. You faint your way in. You bait them. You make them give you what you want, and then you punish them.
0: And what's interesting is that you know everyone always jokes about this quote, and they always joke about this idea. But there's always going to be that um, that famous Mike Tyson quote that everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And I feel like this is one of those events where it it really, you really saw it happen to um, in in plain sight because I'm we're there's no way on earth that. Rousing her team did not step into the cage on on Friday with some type of plan in place. I guarantee you they had a plan in place to close the distance, get this fight to the ground where she was is she's head and shoulders above everyone else in the field. But takes that first jab and you see her step back and she touches her head. Think about that. How often do you see a fighter check their head to see if they're bleeding like that in a fight unless if it's bleeding getting in their eyes and they can't see. How often do you see that? Rarely. And that right there tells me, and I've always been saying that my biggest concern heading into this fight is where she is mentally. And I'm just saying that maybe that shot put her back in a place of panic, for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. that we saw that that is similar to what was going on towards the end of the fight at at UFC 193.
1: No, I I agree. I I can see that. But like, my biggest concern is, and I, I understand maybe once she got touched, but I've seen boxers who've had that issue, and even they came out and were competitive early on. There's things he could have done, and things she could have done, to put that moment off a little bit. Even, I mean, look at other fights you've seen where people are really aggressive, and then all of a sudden they back off and they make the other person come to them. There's things she could have. There's variations of things she could have done that would have kept her from just getting rolled over right away. And maybe if, you get a, maybe if you get past the first minute or the shot that hit you is a glancing shot instead of a head-on clean one, maybe you get some confidence, maybe you start rolling. You've seen it before with fighters. They just got knocked out, they, but they come out now they're being a little safe. They're working the jab, they're working angles, and then they start building their confidence. So then when that shot hits them three minutes in instead of in the first 10 seconds, then they can respond differently. And as many people say, Ronda, Ronda is many things. Rhonda's not a coward and Ronda's not soft. Rhonda took a lot of those shots better than Misha Tate did. She took a lot of those shots better than most fighters did. Rhonda's... Hey, Rhonda's, she never went down. She yeah, never went she, down. She she was... they To me, they didn't... To me, they didn't train her in a way that had her approach the problem correctly or react to the problem correctly. Because physically, she could take it. She took like 27 unanswered shots from the biggest hitter in the division. And she was still on her feet. I'm not saying she wasn't out, but she was still on her feet. She hit Misha Tate like twice, and Misha Tate was like, all right, I had enough. I <laughs> sure did. I'm, I'm I mean, her, making, nose, like, her nose was broke. Yeah, Ronda had the physical durability to get through it, but you have to come up with a game plan that allows her to get some confidence. It's like you you watch other sports, so you'll get this. If you have a wide receiver who's having a rough day, what do they say? They might have him run a sweep or end around, Anything to get the ball in his hands, get some positive yards, and get his confidence. Your quarterback's throwing a bunch of bad shots, bad passes. You get him some easy passes to get his confidence going to get him feeling good about himself. So then when he takes a hit four minutes into the quarter, he's all right because he's had some success. If she would have had any sort of success before, it would have made her feel a lot better even when she took that shot. That's my perspective on it. I'm not saying it would have happened, but I've seen people get rocked and finished before and then come in the next fight. And then once you get in, you kind of get warm, you get your feet wet, you kind of get in that mindset. Once the fight's going, then you start coming on even when you take big shots. But she took the first big shot like five seconds in. She didn't even have a chance to acclimate to the fact that she was in a fight.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. It was out of control. So, um, you know, and we've we've spent a lot of this, we spent you know almost the first half an hour talking about Rousey, but let's talk about the winner, man, because she's the one who, she's the one who has the most the gain from this from this win. We'll come back to Rousey um at a later point in the show, but how big of a moment is this for Amanda Nunez? and and, and me personally? I was kind of. I'm not gonna say the word offended, but I was, and not disgusted. I was, I felt bad for the crowd when they started booing her after the fight was over. Because here it is, this woman is. I'm not. She's not as much of a pioneer as Rousey was, but but again, she's the she's first one. the gay,
1: huh? Well, outside of the, you know what? You're right. Off the les- the gay lesbian thing, she would be a pioneer in that. Well, she she'd be the first champion, so she's a pioneer in that way. But she's not the first yeah, and, and the thing is that the UFC
0: truly dropped the ball in talking about her in that way. Like, I'm not saying that that's necessarily something that they should have sold and played up in a cheesy type of fashion, but Amanda Nunez should not have been booed in a sense because she didn't deserve to be booed for defeating Ronda Rousey, not in that way. I feel like she was cast as a not giving her 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 highlight before the the event cast her in a way that was that was unfortunate for people to be born. it's kind of like when anytime there's a, an american fighter fighting against someone from another country and people start ignorantly chanting usa 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 it's almost um, like you don't necessarily like like when people chant usa and Rafael natal is fighting he's from new york and you're sitting here chanting USA, USA, USA against someone just based off of his name and his skin color. I feel like Nunez wasn't given that same type of respect that she should have, should have earned because of the way the
1: UFC presented her and people were incorrectly booing her after the fight was over. Well, that's a legit point. But I never hear anybody say the Brazilians are, are ignorant when they boo Americans. And I've seen them boo them. Nobody says ignorant. They say they're just supporting their countrymen. And I'm not saying it's right. But I've seen other, I've, it, it, in Japan, they don't do that. Japan, they just sit quietly and admire the fights and, and the technique. But in other countries, they they, they cheer their countrymen. I, I can't have a problem with that. As far as her getting booed, I don't blame that on the UFC. When Rashad Evans knocked out Chuck Liddell, I don't remember anybody cheering for him either. They, they have a fighter you're emotionally attached to and you're drawn to. You don't care who the better fighter is. You want your person to win. That, that's just the way it goes. And I'm not saying... I'm not saying the UFC didn't drop the ball to an extent because they could have pushed her. They could have promoted her, they could have put her out there more more. I I believe that 100 percent, but not every fighter is going to evoke emotion from somebody. You could be a better fighter and a better, better person. But can you evoke the same reaction that, that generate the same faith and confidence in people that this other person did? Rhonda did that. I don't know. Maybe Nunes can. As of yet, she hasn't, and Ronda did that. The UFC didn't build up Ronda. Ronda was already becoming a huge story before she got in the UFC. That's why the UFC jumped on her because she was already bringing it. You might think like, who was it? Who was For? Scott Coker? Was Coker, was Coker over Strikeforce? You might think Scott Coker for building her up. The UFC kind of took advantage of the star that she already was and kept the ball rolling and pushed it to high, gave her a bigger platform to perform on. But they didn't make Ronda Rousey just like they didn't make Conor McGregor. I think they should have pushed Amanda Nunes, but once again, I asked the question: What was Nunes doing, in and of herself, to get her to get, get her st- message out there? Like after the fight, I knew it was going to beat the shit out of Ronda. She started talking, showing her personality. Where the hell was that? Months before, after she, months before, where was that before she fought Misha? I don't remember her talking like that after she beat Misha. After she m- beat Misha, she was just like. I won. Blah blah. blah typical yeah, and
0: and, and, I, I, and I totally agree with you. I think that that this that the lack of respect she was getting or the lack of um, promotion she was getting before this event pissed her off, and I think we are seeing that now. Especially if right after the right after the fight, when Joe Rogan was talking to her and she's yelling out, "Forget about Ronda Rousey," I I, I this do is do from you. my observation. Go, go ahead, I'm sorry. My observation is that she was so pissed at. It being 99% Rousey and 1% Nunez, that when she got her out of there, that was her demanding for her respect. And was it too late? I don't know. Are we going to see? I don't think that we're going to see those Rousey fans translate to like that's even the conversation I've had with some people who are diehard Rousey fans. I
1: don't see that happening. But, um, so what's the the thing is, is, she should thank the UFC because by angering her, we got to see her personality and see some of what makes her who she is because before that before that she didn't give us nothing she gave us less than nothing part of being a fighter you want like it's like you want people to relate to you you want people to believe in you it's never been enough to just do your job i mean if you're the best if you're the best company you have the best product you make the best product we all know you make it nobody knows until you advertise it even if your competitors know if you're not advertising it nobody knows that you have the best product She didn't do anything to build her own star. Conor McGregor didn't come in here with a bunch of fanfare, he had his own fan base. UFC didn't make him, he got a platform, he took it over. Amanda Nunes has been fighting for years, at no point has she drawn anybody's interest past a technical fighting level because she has said or done nothing of a personal level to gain people's interest. She just wants to fight, she wants to be a fighter and she wants to get paid for being a fighter. But if you're a fighter who fights really well and you're an entertainer, that's where the real money comes from. You know, Cody Garbrandt isn't thought of as a star now just because he's a good fighter. Dominic Cruz isn't more of a star now just because he's a good fighter. It's because he had opportunities to speak and he jumped all over them. Amanda Nunes was the bantamweight champion of the world, is, and she was getting ready to fight Ronda Rousey. Instead of waiting for people to give you interviews, why aren't you setting up your own interviews? Where's your management team? Even Eddie Alvarez was doing a bunch of talking before he fought Conor. Now, he got smoked, but he got his name out there. He got stories written about him all pushing it his management him are pushing it trying to get his name out there as much as possible trying to improve his brand she didn't and i don't know that she didn't do it but i didn't see her do it i didn't hear anything about it and if she's telling me the ufc hasn't set everything up you're the band and weight champion of the world you're telling me somebody wouldn't listen to you if you wanted to talk are you telling me you couldn't get a, an interview with a major gay and lesbian magazine or 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 blog or tv show or whatever you, you're telling me the bantam first major women's champion Who's, who's gay or lesbian couldn't get an interview? I don't know if I believe that. And I don't believe that you yeah. have held her out of it either. So you you I don't think she did enough. Rhonda did a lot of her own work. Misha Tate did a lot of her own work. Holly Holm, in comparison, did not. And even after beating Rhonda, her star did not skyrocket. I don't know that Nunes is skyrockets either, because I don't know that she wants to do the other part of it, which is the really hard part. The, not, the fighting part is difficult on one end, and since the other part is a real hard part because it's the stuff you don't, she doesn't really care about. She cares about a paycheck. Fight, you'll get your paycheck. But if you want the other stuff, then you got to work and interview and tour and do all the book signings and all that other stuff. I don't know that she wants to do it. Rhonda embraced it. Misha Tate embraced it. Conor McGregor embraces it.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to. um disagree with you there at all, like, that—that that is definitely some very, um, good insight on what has kind of limited Nunez to becoming, and I'm not gonna say to becoming a big star, but up to this point, you know, now everyone's really talking about her, and what's interesting is, you still don't, ha- you still don't hear, like, I don't, like, was ESPN talking about her at all? They were talking about Rousey after, after the fight was over, um, you know, like, the MMA media public, uh, media outlets were talking about a Nunez post-event, by- I can't think of any mainstream outlets. I think of maybe one that looked at her relationship with Nina um, and looked at it from that angle. But other than that, I can't think of any real outlets that have taken a interest
1: in Nunez since this win. You know, I wanted to make one more point. that's very valid, that, that I that I wanted to make. If Ronda would have put up a better fight and it would have been more give and take, the story wouldn't have been Ronda. Ronda looking almost the exact same way she looked versus home takes away from Nunes' win because it looks like Nunes is just finishing off Holmes. She's doing Holmes' light work. Like, Holmes did a heavy heavy lifting. Holmes exposed her. All you did was jump on a broken and fractured girl again. Now, if Rhonda would have taken a couple shots and gone a couple rounds and maybe got a quick takedown or put some leather on her and it would have been kind of competitive or Ronda or, or would have looked a little better, people would have talked about Nunes because they would have said, Rhonda, because before when people were looking at Rhonda, how good a shape she was in, they would have been like, Rhonda came out, she was hungry, she got the takedown, blah, 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 blah. You know, Nunes fought through it, and then Nunes got the win. So we saw an improved Rhonda still wasn't good enough for Nunes. But the old Rhonda, we saw, wasn't good enough to beat home, who's on a two-fight losing streak, to girls that Nunes beat. So we were pretty, so people aren't impressed by that. Had it, had it Rhonda shown some improvements and shown some depth, the talk would have been how Ron, Nunes beat a uh, reinvigorated Ronda Rousey. But when Rhonda's basically looking like she's lost out there of course the focus is going to be on her because she she was the baddest woman on the face of the planet and now she looks like a girl who'd never been in a fight before like a girl who cut through everybody. That's exactly what it looked like so if the fight would have been competitive exactly i guarantee what it like. you Nunes would have got more focus. but when you steamroll somebody who we just saw get steamrolled the last time she was in a cage it, it's not as impressive in fact holly home gets more credit because home took a big left hand and hung on long enough the fight and home got taken down it was in position to be finished and she escaped that's why home got so much credit because she got put in moments of adversity and she fought through it just looked like Nunes was beating up on a girl who just got knocked out the week before like everybody beats this girl up and now you beat her up too congratulations it, it wasn't competitive it was like the cyborg effect you don't give the girl any credit because it was such a one-sided beating now if it's competitive you're like wow you know Nunes really has something but when she's just beating up on something like that it just it just makes people just feel sorry for Rhonda. They, they don't think about the other person because it was so one sided.
0: Yeah, like it, it's um it was very it was a very clear one sided win and I think that that's kind of what is is not say damaging but is causing her uptick to be rather slow. Um what uh what do you think is next for Nunez? Are we are we going to pencil in the winner of Juliana
1: Peña versus Vatina um Shevchenko? I mean, there I mean, the sad thing for Nunez, well Nunez should be happy because she got the big the two biggest names in her division so she should have gotten paid pretty decently Tate and then Rousey, two biggest names back to back. so she should be good on the money part but because eventually essentially there's no other money fights in division anymore. yeah she'd have to fight cyborg who's suspended. I guess she could move up and fight home but home's not a big name. home doesn't make any money. So I assume Juliana Pena is the biggest star in division now. I mean as far as somebody on a winning streak who fans are somewhat familiar with, Pena is probably the best option she has as far as making money and getting some kind of crossover attention um I think she's gonna end up having to fight uh Valentina and I think Valentina's gonna like kind of beat the brace off her but um that that's the only option she has nobody else nobody else has any attention any cachet uh and nobody else has an argument except for Pena and and Valentina
0: yeah um I think it'll be Pena, if, especially if she gets by Shevchenko. Well, I think either, either either or whoever wins that fight will be next for Nunez. But you're right; they're going to have to book it on a show where she's a co-main event and another um, champion is at the top of the um, at the top of the docket. And you know, since we're talking about
1: oh, one one second, one second. I just want to make sure. I just want to ask you this: um, I have something called the the Mayweather effect or the Oscar De La Hoya effect people would fight one of those guys and get a big payday and be on a main spot, you know, main event. And then if they beat them, they would start thinking that they were a comparable star to them. When in actuality, they kind of rode the A-side star to big paydays in crossover media. Do you think that um, Nunes is gonna start feeling that way? Like she's gonna feel like I beat her still. So now I need to be treated like Rousey because she's not, she's not yet proven to be the star that Rousey is. But she might start mm-hmm. beating, she she feels like I should get paid like her, I should get the media attention like her. And she beat her, but she's not her. And that that's that if she feels that she is, that could cause problems with her and the the, the ownership. Because Dana White's not gonna pay her like Rhonda, because he nah. you know, she, she didn't bring in all those fans. Rhonda brought him in. When she fought Misha, Misha brought him in. She she wrote on I don't want she didn't rode their own coattails as far as fighting skill, but she rode their coattails as far as main eventing. If, if it would have been anybody else, she wouldn't main event. So now she might think that she's a star that she's not right now.
0: Yeah, like, um, nah, like that. that's, I don't think that, that, well, I'm not, I don't think that's not going to happen. And I think that, I'm not gonna use the word smart enough, but I think that people understand that they're not gonna get that same type of rub. They're not gonna get that same type of um, response. Cause so I think we see that, um, you know, Conor McGregor, or oh, excuse me, when Nate Diaz beat Conor McGregor, he didn't get that type of, of response. Yes, he got a bigger payday the next time out, but, you know, now he's talking about he's not going to answer a phone call for anything less than $20 million. Well, we all know that's not going to happen. So um, I don't think Nunez is going to act in that type of way, but uh, it'll be interesting to see because she only got $200,000 for his
1: win. Yeah, i, I so it, it, she sure she hasn't had to carry the sport or the division on her back. Misha and Rhonda did all that for her. She just got she got to ride along with that and take advantage of it when, when she was ready. Now it's on her. So if she's not getting paydays, that's on her. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're not getting paydays or you're not getting opportunities and the UFC is promoting you, then the problem becomes you. It's it's no longer anybody else if if you get where I'm coming from.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um. I do want to transition from here and talk about the other title fight that went on uh, at UFC 207 where Cody Garbrandt ended Cruz's 10-year winning streak. Granted, you know, we got to look at some of those years. He was out, so it was more about seven. But um, he definitely – I don't want to say he beat the Dominator at his own game, but he – beat the Dominators game. He, instead of chasing after him, trying to match his movement and trying to one shot him, you know, he forced Cruz to be first and he was um, excellent at counter-striking. His defensive wrestling was key in this fight. And he had some takedowns of his own as well too. And as the fight wore on, you definitely saw him getting the better of Dominic Cruz in a way that we haven't seen ever. So the question now becomes: um, Well, of course you're going to tell me what you thought of this fight and 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 break that down. But how impressive was Cody's performance overall? Like, what did you see that kind of blew you away from how he took the uh, the the men's bantamweight title away from Dominic Cruz?
1: I was on I was on Twitter all night as usual when these events go on, and you can talk to Michael. Michael will tell you he will confirm this. I wasn't impressed at all because I predicted it was happening. People ask me you know fights coming up with, with your prediction Juan I said it's going to be Garbrandt I am sorry I it's the way I'm seeing it and I can't take full credit for it myself early in his run um there's a trainer who works up at Stipe's camp works with him sometimes Stipe Jessica, guy some others he he's a boxing trainer called uh Joe Delgood I can't know if I said his name right he's one of the guys I follow he follows me and uh before Cody fought I used to say I said I like Cody's speed I like his power I like his offensive skills But if he can't establish a jab use footwork fight off his back foot and counter there's no way he's going to get any further he's too predictable and he joe told me he said he can do everything i've seen him box i've worked with him personally i've seen him fight i know people in his family he can do whatever you need him to do when it comes to the aspect of boxing and applying it to mma and once he told me that because i trust this guy because I had many conversations about boxing and other MMA fighters. I've talked about his fighters himself with him. Many hours we spent going back and forth, writing each other, emailing, discussing these things. So I trusted his opinion. He, once he told me that, I was totally signed off for Garbron. The thing about it that shocked me is that nobody else seemed to ever try this plan with Cruz. And I've said this before, when Cruz was fighting Raya for the last time, I said Faber needs to counter him, especially to the body. Stop leading because when you lead, you give him all the chances for him to counter. You give him all those takedowns because you're opening up your hips to land those shots. You're overextending. He's taking you down, creating these scrambles and catching you when you get up with strikes. You need to sit back and counter him. And and Faber tried to do that. But the thing that Faber didn't have, that Garbrandt does have, is boxing. Faber can't box. TJ Dillashoff, or as good a striker as he is, he can punch. He can't box and Cody's boxing ability is what won him this fight. He knew how to measure distance. He knew how to reassess distance. He knew how to readjust distance and not just do that, but do it and make people counter at the same time. Lots of guys can move out of the way and some guys can sidestep, but they can't do it while working an effective and consistent counter striking game. And that's what he did. He just made Dominic lead. Dominic isn't a terrible lead fighter. But if you watch enough of his fights, you see every time it gets counter big is when he's trying to lead. He's gotten countered before. He got countered by Dillashaw. He's been countered by Faber. He got countered by Joseph Benavides. But once they landed big, those guys started chasing him because, oh, I landed the big shot. Now I'm going to put another one on him and put him away. Garbrandt maintained his discipline and forced Cruz to pursue him all fight long and just picked him off. Because it's one thing when a guy's chasing you and you're using feints and pivots and little fakes and all this stuff that works because he's coming to you. He's cutting the distance off and he's reacting to what you're doing while he's trying to get in, get in range with you. When that guy who usually uses, uses all those tricks is coming forward, it doesn't matter how defensively sound you are. When you're coming forward, you were easier to hit. That's just common sense. So once Cruz was unable to bait him and he started coming forward throwing strikes, you started noticing how his strikes are a little wide. You started noticing his, his inaccuracy Cruz has never been an accurate striker, but coming forward makes him even less so. So it's like, for one, uh-huh. he saw what he did, and they actually forced him to into the areas he's weak in. That was my only concern with the coaching in Alfaio attacking in the way that it needed to be attacked to expose the holes he has in his game. And I guess they, I guess they put it together. I thought Garbro was totally capable of doing it. That based on what I know by guys who had worked with him and trained with him.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a hell of a win. I, and I thought that you know it was it was very it was impressive to watch from start to finish. I it, I was excited watching. I was excited watching what was happening here because it makes I don't say it makes that, that weight class interesting again, but. Um, that it, it, it was an, ex, an exciting affair to watch from start to finish, and I can agree with you in, in your breakdowns there that he took advantage of the fact that Cruz isn't accurate, especially not when coming forward, and that he um, he was going to the body, he was mixing up his shots very well, and, I, just, and I, I, I really I really appreciated the fact that he was so patient in every exchange. You know, he was pulling the fight back to the center of the cage every time that it started getting on the outside instead of sticking out there and finding himself in a position where he could maybe get pushed up against the cage and taken down he would circle out step back in the middle of the cage and literally it got to a point where he started pointing at the center of the cage telling dominic to fight me here and i think that that's what was so um impressive and so uh and just so enjoyable for me as as a
1: as a fight fan to watch from start to finish it was nice it was nice seeing boxing everybody keeps on clowning on boxing and saying how easy it is to do but when you see somebody, Conor McGregor, Cody Garbrandt, when you see somebody showing the various aspects the different layers of boxing, you appreciate how dif- difficult a skill it is to have. Because lots of guys have had the right idea with Cruz, but they could never maintain it because of their they didn't have the poise and they didn't have the skills. They would back up and try counter, but then they would get stuck on the fence. And then when he would rush them, they didn't know how to pivot. They couldn't pivot and they couldn't pivot make and make him miss and then make him pay. It's little aspects like that that every martial art has, but boxing, due to the nature of it, and how many people will compete, and how popular it is, and how much money is in it, you won't see that level level of execution in ninety percent of other combat sports. So, I mean, he essentially just fought a smart fight, but he had the boxing background and the fundamentals to be defensively responsible and to be effective on the counter and that's what turned the that's what turned the fight and one thing i was amazed at and i was so happy to see was somebody countering to the body all that dipping and slipping cruise does it works when you're loading up for power shots or you're trying to put combinations on his head but every time he dips the body's still there he could dip to the left you throw the right hook to the body it's still going to land no matter which way he dips or he pulls his head back sometimes you throw a straight right to the body he's off balance his head is back his chest and his stomach are right there for you to, to attack I don't understand why nobody has consistently attacked his body for the length of his career. It just, it, it confounds me on every level, every time I see him fight. And it was just nice to see someone actually attack those holes as good as he is. And as smart as he is, every fighter has holes, but for some reason people get it in their mind that they have to win a fight a certain way. And it was nice to see somebody, especially a young guy who didn't have a lot of world-class experience showing that sort of thoughtfulness and that kind of poise. That was what it was impressive. He figured once he dropped him, he would, get over anxious and get finished. Nope. Back to work. I'm sticking to the game plan. No matter what happens, what I'm doing is working and I'm going to keep doing it until he finds a way to stop it. And, and Cruz never had an answer. It's a big win for team alpha male though. They had been known as a team that can't keep a champion or can't get a champion. They had, they had Dillashaw when he got the belt. They have Garbrandt when he got the belt. And um, for favor, this has got to be amazing because he just retired, lost his last title fight. And his his guy he brought in he got into the UFC, won the title from his arch nemesis. So it's got to be a great day for him. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, and it it was it was huge. So with that in mind, you know, what do you is it
0: automatic, for lack of a better term, to think that Dillashaw is next for um for Garbrandt, especially after that performance he put on against John Lineker. I mean, excuse me, but he basically. He basically owned John Lineker from start to finish, and that fight, man, that that fight was impressive to me. I enjoyed every bit, every bit of it because, I mean, I just I loved how I loved how he was mixing up his striking and his wrestling. If you, um, I'm not sure if you saw Luke Thomas's breakdown, but the way he was hitting that outside that out of the penetration step to the outside trip was amazing, and it's definitely something that I appreciated being someone who teaches wrestling. Um, but with Dillashaw's win at UFC 207, is he the next guy up for, um? Cody
1: Garbrandt. I have a love-hate relationship with TJ. I think he's a good. He seems like a good guy. Seems like a good offensive fighter. I can't stand his defense. I just think it's awful. I think he's a little bit overrated as a striker, in my opinion. I'm sorry. I just how I feel. But um, I don't know that he gets that fight. I mean, the UFC can force it, but Garbrandt, he he asked for Cruz for a rematch. He's already calling out Jose Aldo. He'll say he'll he's saying he'll move up and fight other people. I mean. you're you're starting to hear this trend again and they talked to his coach recently his coach said the same thing cody wants a money fight you're gonna start hearing that all the time he doesn't want to just beat up on guys and knock out guys for low pay wages and benefits he wants fights that are gonna line his pocketbooks he wants fights that are gonna get him to the next level um i don't know that dillashaw unless dillashaw i don't know that dillashaw can bring for the hardcores him beating dillashaw might bring him to another level. I personally always thought he could beat Dillashaw. So him beating Dillashaw will prove nothing to me. But as far as an attractive, sexy fight you can sell for big ratings or, or big pay-per-view, Dillashaw is not that guy. A rematch with Cruz might sell because you still have the alpha male beef and it's the first time Cruz lost and seeing Cruz handle the, the way he did, people might pay for that. People might pay for that. But Dillashaw fight, that's not that's not a big seller. That's not even real. I mean, technically it's interesting. It's, it's incredibly interesting, many layers. But as far as selling a fight, mm, I don't know. I don't know, man, that, that, that fight does not scream, that fight does not scream big seller to me. And as good as Dillashaw worked, looked against Lineker, that just makes me question all the guys who lost to Lineker because Lineker is not the, Lineker is probably the, one of the worst technical fighters in division and yes. Dillashaw outclassed them, but Dillashaw should outclass them. He's a better technical striker and he's a better grappler and he's a better wrestler. Like that's how you're supposed to fight Lineker. For some reason, everybody who fights him gets dragged into these ridiculous brawls that are exciting and great for you and me, but bad for these guys' careers and bad for the win-loss columns. Dillashaw showed poise, and and he showed all the skills in beating him, but he beat a guy who can't wrestle defensively, and he beat a guy who's terrible on the ground. So him dominating him on the ground, I mean, it's great to see. I'm glad he fought smart, but, I mean, it, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't really impress me all that much. It was a great win. It was excellent, flawless victory. But I mean, it was a flawless victory against a very flawed fighter. So, I I, I wasn't as high on that win as, as other people were. I mean, it's still a win, <laughs> yeah. but I wasn't as high on it.
0: I can definitely. I can understand your um your. I know um, I'm
1: hating. I'm sorry. I know hey I'm man, hating. everyone's entitled to an
0: an opinion, dude. Here, there's no such thing as hating. It's um. It's all about what you want to do, man. So I don't have any I don't have any problems with you being uh, opposed to um, your your views being different on on that fight. I mean, I'm not I don't have any issues with that. You're not hating in my book, but um I still think it was I, I enjoyed watching that fight again as I mentioned for my um, interest of it being a striking striking and wrestling. Showcase. Yeah, I've always had questions about Lineker as well because I always thought that he's someone that if he can't put you out, that you can go in there and you can you can have your way with a lot of the same way, um, Ali uh, Bagautinov gets um, gets gets dealt with, or the way he dealt with John Lineker, Excuse me, but um, yeah, it wasn't it, it was a big win to me. I think Dillashaw is next um, in line for Garbrandt. Um, and I think that when paired, it, it, that could be a fight that they can put on, on a Fox platform and grow from there.
1: Um, I actually wanna ask you a technical question because uh, it, it, since you, you you kind of have a lot more depth of experience in the wrestling grappling aspect, um, I noticed, cause it's kind of a transition. When um, Cody was probably the most athletically gifted fighter, you know, in his prime that Cruz had faced and, and only at the time he faced the guy like that would have been like Demetrius Johnson favor was getting, getting, getting a little bit past it when they fought the second time and the third time but what do you make of like how important Cruz's ability to take someone down was is in relation to his entire mma game like his striking has always been good and we focus on that so much but it got really highlighted in this fight with cody that if he can't take you down and give those clean takedowns and control you or dictate scrambles that striking isn't nearly as effective as well. Like, a lot of his success is based on him being able to draw you in and get that takedown and control you and kind of out-wrestle you.
0: Yeah, like, his his wrestling was you. It wasn't... It wasn't... Um, how can I put it? It wasn't... He wasn't going in there thinking he was a world-class boxer and he's going to knock you out. His striking was meant to open you up and get you in bad positions where his takedowns can then come into play. And he was unable to do that in, in this fight, period. Um, that is what the issue was. And oftentimes, like, he's kind of, it's more or less that he's flashing punches rather than looking to land strikes to get you out of there. Like, who, when's the last time he's knocked someone out? Um, Take Mizugaki. That was on the he, ground. That
1: was on the ground. Yeah, yeah,
0: and that was on the ground. Like, has he ever knocked anyone out, finished anyone from strikes? Uh, let me look. Um yeah. I think the answer to that is no, but, I mean, Takea, he finished on the ground. Um, Brian Bowles was a doctor stoppage. He, um, I don't know about this fight back in 2008 that he finished uh, via KO. I'm not sure about that. And he had one other KO back in 2006. Excuse me, he had one one in 2006 and one, two, three, early, early in his career. But I can't think of him ever, like, one-punching someone.
1: World-class opposition, I've never seen it. It, yeah, it, I can't think of him ever one punching someone and getting them out of there. Isn't it kind of weird how it kind of mirrors the Ronda Rousey thing? And, and since, like, you were saying Ronda's grappling, her striking was a great tool to create, as we've all, you, you and me agreed, her ability her striking was effective as a tra- transitional tool to which she could get a clinch, where she was a much ve- more effective striker in the clinch and could get those takedowns. And it's funny how, as much as Cruz is known for being a good striker and awkward and unorthodox, Without the takedown threat, a lot of his striking effectiveness didn't seem to be there, not defensively or offensively.
0: Yeah, I can agree with you on that.
1: Just at. just weird. Just have- how, how how quickly that, you know, once you took that away, it's like, well, he's he's still difficult on the feet, but he's not, he's not a mystery. He's not an unsolvable riddle now. He's just a difficult question, one that can be answered with enough st- preparation and study, but he's no longer unanswerable. Before, he's unanswerable. But this time he, he, I don't wanna say he was exposed, but it, it's hard not to think that to a certain degree.
0: Yeah, I can definitely um, agree with you on that. And it creates uh, an, an interesting conversation there. Um, yeah, is it, that's, that's a very, very key point there. Um, I forgot what my next question was gonna be, my friend. Uh, so we actually already talked about what Dilshan and Garbrandt will looked at looked like. So let's talk about the rest of USC 207. What else impressed you from that event if anything
1: else did? Yeah, I'm trying to really think I'm trying to I'm, I'm really trying to think the prelims didn't really do much for me.
0: Nothing really stood out uh, except for you know Ask Garcia absolutely exploding Mike Powell's head. Um, um, yeah, that was sad to watch. Yeah, that I mean, at forty-one years old, and I kind of hope that he is done. I mean, you know, we don't. Never, everyone always says you never want to tell somebody when to retire, but when you see a forty-one-year-old man getting knocked out like that, um, you got to start. You got to start asking questions. Well,
1: I, I, uh, I, I have another spin on that. Nobody wants to be told when to retire, but I don't. And and mind you, I know fighters. I'm a fan of fighters. But I don't want to be told about how many problems you're having when you're getting knocked out like that and you continue to press forward. You know, that knockout be, might be the last one you could recover from and maintain your quality of life. So if you continue to go forward and your quality of life suffers. Don't tell me how the UFC didn't take care of you and the fans didn't care until you stopped And t- once the lights went out. Because their are fans saying you need to retire and protect yourself and look out for your family. You don't want to listen to us. So don't act like we don't exist when things start going bad and be like, well, the fans don't care. We cared. You told us to mind our own business because you're a grown man and you can do what you want. So now you have to deal with that. And side note, Alex Garcia needs to fight like that all the time. He basically did the poor man's version of Tyrone Woodley. Stop exploding on guys right away. What you do is you bait them in, they give you something. You're so dynamic, explosive and fast. You're gonna be able to counter almost 90% of what guys throw at you because you're such a better athlete. That way you don't waste your energy chasing takedowns or chasing strikes or expose your defense by running into big shots. Back up, create some distance, bait them in, make them pay. That way he fought that fight was an improvement over what he's shown in other aspect in a, other, other events he's performed in. And I hope he builds on what he did in that fight. Pyle is older and he's not as physically sharp as he used to be, but he's still a very seasoned and skilled veteran. So that's still a legit win in my in my book. Just because he should retire off it doesn't mean it wasn't a legit win. It showed something.
0: Yeah, I can definitely um agree with you on that. Like just because it was it was a bad win for him, that doesn't necessarily mean that he should um be, be done. Uh let's see. Let's see what else happened this past week. And we also had World Series of Fighting and they had an event on Saturday. Um and, you know, it was more par for the course, probably the biggest news i guess out of that was that you know J- jake john fish defeated jake shields to become the world series of fighting welterweight title or welterweight champion but he mentioned that this may be his last fight because of a knee injury um did you see any of of those
1: fights on on saturday uh i want i wa- i watched some of them i watched the G- gate fight and uh i was watching i've watched mariah's fight i don't know if that's saying his name right sergio i saw him fight and i saw the uh Shields-Fitch fight. It was actually good. I mean, if you if you knew what to expect and you're a fan of wrestling and grappling, then you were like it was like a poor version of the Shields versus Fit, Shields versus Maya. It wasn't nearly as technical, but it was basically a lesser version of that. And if you like grappling a lot and can appreciate that, then it was fine. If you were like looking for you know just bleed and knock him out, then you were going to be sorely sorely disappointed.
0: Yeah, um, it, it was basically it was it was what I expected it to be, um, and I I enjoyed it
1: myself. Um, it was it was two skilled guys who knew what to do on the ground. It wasn't one guy laying and praying. It was just yeah. with very deliberate, intelligent, defensively responsible games fighting, and it was I found it to be very enthralling. I thought I was very impressed. I thought Fitch put on a good performance. I thought Shields represented himself very well. But I mean, if you're just looking for them to slug it out, then it was gonna be the worst thing ever to you. But I, I enjoyed it personally.
0: Yeah, I definitely enjoyed what I saw as well. Too um, wasn't too surprised. wasn't surprising an outcome, but it was definitely what I um, expected to see. And then, what do you? Um... It's funny, man, because thinking of the way, like, uh, and that just made me think of the Jake Shields, Damian Maya fight, thinking of the way Maya is kind of embarrassing everybody right now, and we look back to what Jake Shields was able to do to him, it, it, it makes you, it reminds you how great these guys really were, are, were, excuse me, even though they were cut from the um, UFC
1: for whatever reasons may be. Jake Shields might be a possible Hall of Famer, first ballot. When you look at the, the list of names he's beaten, it, it's going to be hard to keep him out of any re- real MMA Hall of Fame. Cause he's... Oh, easy,
0: easy, easy. It's hard to keep him out of anywhere. And if anyone tries to make the, ar- the argument to do so, like they need to get kicked in the face. Like There's no reason why that should even be in the conversation. Like This is the guy who beat... He beat Dong Young Kim, Carlos Condit, and Martin Kempman in the same night. Beats um, Dan Henderson. Who else has he beaten? He, um, he got a shot at... Yeah, he beat Damian Maya. He um gave GSP a hell of a competitive fight. Uh he beat, he,
1: he beat him, was it he beat Tyrone Woodley too. Did he? Yeah. He did.
0: I forgot all about that fight. He beat Tyron Woodley. too. Like this guy is beating feet. he feet.
1: Not He didn't even grapple with He essentially beat him on the feet of all things.
0: I remember that. Let me I, I, I'm like now now I, now I I wanna see for my own self who was he beating. Okay, so he's beating Damian Meyer, Tyron Woodley. And um, Martin Ketman, he
1: beat Robbie Lawler too. I forgot about that. Um, you, you understand what you just what you're just saying? He beat a UFC interim champ, a former UFC champ, and the current welterweight champ. One guy beat all three of them. All three of them, ridiculous. He beat Dan Henderson for the Strike title, the greatest one of the greatest middleweights of all time. He he beat him too. He's like I said, he beat Carlett Okami,
0: he beat um. Man, I'm still scrolling down. He's beaten so many guys on like over and he's been man, yeah. He there's there's no way you can say that this guy's not a first ballot. Um three
1: welterweight champions are on his resume. That pretty much says all you need to say about him. That's all you need to say right there.
0: So what did you think of um, Marlon Morales and Justin, Justin Gates G? Um, they have some very strong performances, you know they are two guys who were a series of fightings kind of uh, are hitching their wagon too. Um, they've both signed long term deals with the promotion. but the question is going to continue ra- ranging as they are beating guys who may not necessarily be big names, um, aren't they definitely aren't big names in the sport. What do you think both of these men would be able to do if they made the leap over to the UFC? They're both relatively still young. I don't think either one of them is, is over 30. Let me check real quick. I don't think either one of these guys is over 30. What do you think these guys would be able to do if they moved over to the UFC? Well,
1: the first thing they're going to do is take pay cuts. That's first thing. But if you're talking about the actual fight, I I think... My concern with Gaethje is I'm a big fan of his. I'm a fan of his coach, Trevor Whitman, and he's improved defensively, but that dude gets hit and he gets hit a lot. Even against these guys who are considered, would be considered like second, high third tier, mid second tier in the UFC, these guys he's been beating. These guys have hit him a lot. I mean, he gets hit even in this one fight. He, he, that first round was real competitive. He was taking, he was catching a lot of heat in that fight. And then he started coming on later and they, the fight when the guy get injured, but my whole thing with him is how long is his chin and his ability to recover going to last? Is it going to be one of those situations like with Nam Fan, where Nam Fan's best years were outside of the UFC, and by the time he got to the UFC, he didn't have anything left? And then people were left seeing, like, oh, this is the guy who was supposed to be UFC caliber. Like, Gagey's been every fight he's in is a war, and I don't know how long, I don't know when the time's going to come where he catches that shot, and that's it for him. He just face first down, and his chin is gone forever because his whole style is based on him outworking you, being more physical, you know, to take your shots. And then when you hurt him, you know, to recover from your shot. And when every fight you're in is a war, that just counts that ticker down a little bit faster. And uh-huh. the UFC, they have so much depth in that division. Almost anybody from 25 to number one, like that's one division where the number 15 guy could beat the number one guy. There's guys who are uh-huh. in the top 10 who may be able to beat Conor McGregor right now.
0: Lando Venata, that's
1: right. some boy. And, and so um, he's going in with those kind of guys. I mean, I I think he can win. I think he can probably get top 10, maybe even top five. I mean, I could see him. If his chin holds up, I could see him even maybe getting to the point where he can compete for a UFC title. But I just, I just got so many questions about his defense and, and the fact that he hasn't been in with guys who are his athletic superior or his, his physical superior. That's a big cushion to have, knowing that you're physically – Stronger, harder hitting, and tougher than everybody you face. That's a big ace in your hole to have. What happens when he faces somebody and that ace in the hole doesn't exist anymore? Like, what happens then? You it's know,
0: funny that you brought that but, up because you know he did have a when you say he's facing, he, what will happen if he faced guys in the UFC um, rankings, like in, in that ladder? You know, when he fought Melvin Gillard, that was a split decision win. He almost lost that one, and we know gillard's track record when it comes to facing what his value was at that point this is 2014 you know when he was on the downward slope
1: yeah gillard in spots and his his pressure and his volume broke gillard down but in spots, gillard was outboxing him gillard was sticking him countering him to the body picking him off pivoting out controlling the distance in the range like i mean it was an exciting thrilling back and forth fight but that was a fight that didn't really do a whole lot to raise Gagey stock because he looked he looked very human against a guy who was wasn't in the physical prime, uh, who hadn't really been dedicated to the sport in years, and had just gotten cut by the UFC. I mean, Galard was putting in some serious work and exposed some 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 holes in my opinion. And I'm not saying that Gaethje can't dress them or won't address him, but at that point, Galard shouldn't have been outboxing anybody. And and in many spots in that fight, he was clearly outboxing Gaethje and, and outpointing him. And what about Marlon? Like, where would you put him if he joined the UFC bantamweight division? Well, the division's still been enough where I think he could probably be in the top five, top ten, and he's he's a very dynamic guy. I mean, offensively, he's amazing to watch his setups, his entries, his his counters. But once again, I, I have the same issue with him that I have with Gaethje. He hasn't faced a guy who, when he hits him with his best shot, can take it. He hasn't faced a guy who he can't slow down or back off with – with his power, like he hits these guys, these guys start not coming after him as hard. If he hits John Lineker with that shot, Lineker's not going to back off. Lineker's not going to get scared. Lineker's going to swing extra hard. He fights John Dodson. John Dodson was fast at us. It's, what is it, strawweight, flyweight? John, Dodson was fast at flyweight. There were flyweights who can keep up with them. Mm-hmm. is is Marlon is, is he faster than Dodson? Because Dodson was fat. like I said, he was faster than Demetrius Johnson who's faster than Marlon, which means Marlon be facing for the fir- first time of years to be facing a guy with better athleticism, with better hand speed and more exposing now, not better at cardio. Or then again, we don't know how his cardio holds up because all the fights he's been in have been fairly competitive. One side beatings. beating the guys had some moments they've gotten a little bit of work done, but they haven't really pushed him. We don't know what he's like when he's pushed. We don't know what it's like when he's in a bad situation. We don't know what it's like when he's not the superior athlete. He's shown all the prerequisite skills and ability but he, he's shown it against guys who can't compete on either level. What's going to happen when the skill and gap isn't three or four levels? What happens when the skill and gap is like the gap between, you know, your thumb and your pinky? Is he going to be able to handle that? Will he react accordingly? He, he's from a good camp. His his trainers say that. But we ha- and I'm not a big fan of believing in it until I've seen I've seen too many high-profile prospects all of a sudden fall apart once their athleticism isn't determining factor. Ronda Rousey, Sage Northcutt, Paige Van Zandt, Ovain St. Pru. I'm not naming names, but I just did.
0: Yeah, that was, um, yeah. I would love to see both of them. In the UFC, I don't think it'll ever happen. Like, I'm, I just looked it up. They're both 28 years old. So maybe there's a chance after they hit 30. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if these two guys remain outside of the UFC and attempt to make the most money as they possibly can in their career, which is, you know, not a bad reason. I'm not going to be mad at you
1: yeah, for that. That's the problem with it. And it's not a problem, but they want to get the money they're getting. A lot of UFC guys would kill to get right now. And the UFC, neither one of them has a fan base that demands that kind of money or attention. So there, I mean, I think Gaethje might be willing to take it because I think he, he, I think he wants to really test himself against the best. And I know Marlon does too. But you know, Marlon constantly speaks about his family and his kids and the lifestyle they're accustomed to and doing things for them. And I don't know how going to the UFC helps him maintain that lifestyle. I mean, you know, yeah, definitely.
0: I think that's something that he pointed to when he did re-sign with um, World Series of Fighting last year.
1: It can't help that every event you have guys with names who fought major opponents. You know, one person selling their Ultimate Fighter bike. One guy who fought Daniel Cormier says he's living in a tent, and every fighter is begging for a bonus. That's that's not a good look, dude. That wouldn't make me want to sign.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely um, uh, know, a problem. It's,
1: it's,
0: it's definitely a problem. Um, let's look at some of the news stories that broke from this week. You know, today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: go ahead. One thing real quick. UFC, they did my man dirty. It was his last show on UFC two hundred seven. No men's, no no announcement, no special send off. Like, I mean, he might not have been um, the best. Goldberg, yeah. Well, actually, well, let's go ahead. Let's uh, talk about that. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. He might not have been the best. I made fun of that dude a lot because he would always come in with these weird comments in the middle of fights. I get it, but I mean, after being with them for like what twenty years, you can't you can't do something. You can't give him a goodbye. You can't have a have him speak at the pro, at the post fight conference. Nothing. I mean, I mean, there's. I mean, I understand it's a business, but dude, there's certain you have and you're slightly breaking up there. If I'm a fighter, I might be, I said, if I'm a fighter, I'm look, talking to my manager like maybe I need to get out of here. Look at how they're doing this, dude. He's been with them for 20 years, and they're treating him like he's nothing. And what's
0: um, what's crazy is that you know the story broke today that Todd Grisham is who they're bringing in to join their um, their team in a play-by-play position. And um, you know I don't know if you're, if you're aware of Todd Grisham, but Todd Grisham um, he is leaving ESPN to join UFC along the same lines that John Ennick did. But he also was with WWE before um, before that, and he also has experience working with Glory Kickboxing. So he had- some combat and sports experience sports entertainment experience but um yeah they've already got a replacement in there they haven't necessarily deemed him a replacement i'm doing that in in air quotes but they already got a name in there that people are going to recognize and that you know i'm pretty interested in seeing how he does
1: in this new role i'm sure he'll do good and and i and i i've seen some of his work uh he's a good guy uh, side Mm note one of the questions i asked is how come we don't have any women cage side. I'm not talking about ex-fighters either. I mean, was there any, were there any candidates? I'm just asking. I mean, I like to see guys get their opportunities, but you know, we can't get more of a female presence on the analyst position. I mean, like, not just determining things like Karen Ryan does, but actually really getting their chance to analyze and break down fights. There's There's got to be some women out there who are immersed enough in MMA And would like the opportunity. I didn't hear any about any of them. I'm not saying it's their fault, but it's just weird to me. I mean, sorry. Yeah, I mean, Julie Kessy
0: is doing good work over there at um, Invicta, but um, yeah, like, who would
1: they bring in? That's the thing. I I don't really know. I'm just, you know, I just figure there might be some either podcaster or writer, somebody who's who's in it and really understands the finer points of it who they might bring on to kind of expand the role. Right now, the two women they have, they don't do much on the analyst or the play-by-play calls. We've seen women call fights before. They've done it in Invicta before. Why has the UFC not brought somebody in? I mean, is there just nobody? Or did they not think that they would work well with the team? I'm just curious. I mean, I didn't even hear about them possibly interviewing any female candidates and there's gotta be some. And, I, and you know, it probably looks bad because I don't know any, but that's not my job to know any. It's just my job to ask that question.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely um you know that that'll be a question I don't think we'll ever really get down to the bottom to um but yeah I I was kind of surprised to see Todd's name thrown in the hat and you know there was the name of um Jim Marone that was being thrown around and I was I would have been mad if if we just said Jim Rohn. that would have been awful but um yeah that would have been that that would have been horrible uh let's look at what do you think about Brock Lesnar man getting that one year suspension from USADA um I think his MMA career is over but. I would have thought that would have been over, would have been the whole case. But um, what would you think of that call from USANA to
1: give him a year? I mean, does it really matter? I mean, it's like, it, it just doesn't really matter. I mean, he's got other options to make money. He was only, I mean, if he's a part-time wrestler, he was like a volunteer fighter. So, I mean, it. I guess it's, I, I guess it's great because it shows them enforcing the rules. But had they not made exceptions for him in the first place, I don't know that he would have even gotten the cage to fight, to be honest. So I mean, it's kind of like too little. I'm glad they did it, but maybe too little, too late. It doesn't really change anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I'm not, I'm not surprised. You know, it happened. It is what it is. You know, I
1: I mean, nothing to say about it. It's kind of like something you do for show. Like, look, look, we laid down the law on Brock. Well, he doesn't really depend on fighting to make his income, and. He doesn't really fight that often. So, I mean, your year ban really means nothing. And at his age, I mean, it, it means less than nothing, to be quite honest, at this stage.
0: Yeah. like, um, So I'm, I'm guessing that sports fans can or MMA fans can kind of get it out of their system that their time of watching Brock Lesnar is finally over in the sport. And he's moved on to some – he's going to move, move on going back to what he's
1: doing with showing up with the WWE from time to time. You see, the UC champs are gonna miss that that little bump they got on their paychecks when they they collect from pay per view points. I know that's somebody who ain't gonna be happy he's gone. But everybody else, they didn't really like him. They thought he was an interloper. So it's best that he go somewhere anyways.
0: I mean, Mark Hunt still wants his still wants his paper. He still wants that paycheck. Um, I don't think he's going to get it. But that's another conversation
1: for it. If you, Another day, when you take the fight and you take the money. I can't listen to any complaints. You, if you really want to make a stand, don't take the fight. Say, I'm not fighting him. Once you take the I money, fight. yeah, he, he said he's juiced up to the gills, so you already had your suspicions. So, if you really want to make a stand, say, No, I'm not taking a fight. Let somebody else who's willing to risk their life for money do it. But he didn't do that. He took the money, and if he would have won, he wouldn't have cared. He wouldn't be, I don't think he would have been complaining as much. So, he took the money. <sighs> I, I can't hear the complaint after you shouldn't if you don't take the money you complain i get it once you take the money mm, uh, i'm not as sympathetic i'm just not
0: I'm, I'm i'm with you on that i'm not really mad at him either um but with that th- that in mind man we're gonna go ahead we have we have a weekend where there's no fights no major fights so we can sit back and relax um that's what i plan on doing I'm not doing anything this weekend actually but we're gonna hang back. We'll be back next weekend to talk about the upcoming MMA events uh, for next weekend. But with that in mind, let everyone know what you're working on, uh, Shawan, over the next few days.
1: Um, I will have my final installment of how to develop a prospect, kind of that examines the pitfalls that come to most blue chip prospects coming into MMA. We hitting it, it was a three-part series. Um, I kind of got a little setback because I was doing my my pieces on Rhonda's coach. Uh, last week, but uh, I'm going to be finishing this out. Should be out probably Friday, maybe Saturday at the worst. But um, a couple people have been asking me about it, and uh, this will be the final installment. I hope I've gotten a lot of good feedback from it, not just from fans, but from other writers and from coaches, the fighters. They really seem to like it. So everybody who supported it, I appreciate it. And uh, everybody who supported that piece I did on Edmund, I appreciate that. I got a lot of positive feedback on that, especially the first part, because people said they never seen any article written anywhere where somebody technically broke down the strategic and technical things he brought to Ronda's game. And um, I also wanted to thank uh, Lawrence Kenshin, Patrick Wyman, and Chris Reaney for their indirect and direct contributions, as well as friend of the show, Andrew Pearson, because some conversations with him helped me formulate the concepts for the, uh, the story I used when I made that, when I did those two pieces. But yeah, that, that's all I got going.
0: Well, as usual, you know, I have a lot of stuff I'm working on for all the sites that I write for. I'm working on a piece about Kron Gracie. Um, did you see him submit
1: uh, Jerry? Yeah, that was amazing. Over the weekend? That, I mean, yeah, man, it was crazy. Jerry's not in his prime anymore, but nobody does that to him. I mean, he's he's a good enough player. He's no to slouch. Does that to him. Yeah.
0: He's definitely no slouch, and Kron went in there and did the damn thing, so um, I don't know. You know, if he continues this slow build and his slow growth, we may be looking at a point where we see a, a in in conversations um, at some point in time down the line. I'm not sure how old he is. Let me look real quick.
1: The first legitimate Gracie who may actually- He's, be he's, he's 28. Old, yeah.
0: He's 28, he's still young. So um, we'll see what happens to him over the uh,
1: next few years. But yeah, he went out there and he did the damn thing. Um, on- on theory might be the most, and I hate to say this, out of all the wins that his uncles have, but as far as the level of competition at the stage he's at, His win might be one of the most legitimate wins in Gracie competition in or out of the cage. If you enter it out of MMA, if you think about it, like. still be ranked in the UFC and he beat him and did it easily.
0: Yeah, I can definitely get here. Uh, I can um, definitely get with you on that. But that's something I I plan on on writing about. this week also some other some other content that i will will be doing as well but um you know you can always find myself at r garcia sports you can catch us at mma ratings net you can catch us there uh you can catch us on instagram be sure to follow us and follow us on twitter as well where we are always doing the best we can to talk about fights and to give you an opportunity to go and rank the fights that um you get to watch on uh mma or excuse me our Rank the fights on MMA dot net that you watch from UFC, Bellator, and, and everywhere else. So with that in mind, we're going to close the show out. Uh, Shwan, thank you for coming on once again, and we'll have you back next week to uh, talk more about the sport that we all love.
1: Uh, look forward to it. Oh yeah. Side note, Crow Cop, hope you enjoy retirement. Oh yes. Team forgot you about keep, that. Keep your head up. You you gave gave him the toughest fight in the tournament. Still world class. Keep your head up.
0: And with that in mind, man, we're
1: out. Have a great week, everybody. You too, sir. Have a good one.